You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Certainly it's great to be here today. You know, if you're here with us for the first time, very special welcome. Especially want to welcome Paris, uncle and aunt, David and Julia, sitting on my left hand side. You know, maybe you're here today for the first time because someone just kind of dragged you along. And he or she just kept calling and calling and calling, yeah. wouldn't give up. She said, okay, okay, I'll come and then at least I'll get her off my back. I know that was the case for me 24 and some years ago. And then you come here and you're like, I, I thought I was invited to a church, but these guys look like, they look like family. Yeah. Even the men hug each other. <laughs> That's what I noticed when I first came here. The men hugging each other. Man, stay away from me, better not try that to me. Uh. But you know, we just really care about each other. Yeah. And here's, here's another piece of good news. If you do not like it today, you should come next week. Because right. yes. next week I won't be preaching. Oh. And so then you can give another try next week. Because oh. next week Michael Wayne will be preaching. Who yes. preaches better than I do. Amen. Oh. So let's go to John chapter 9. I know you love me because the Bible tells you so. And I appreciate that. Today's title is... I want to be like Jesus. And truly God calls all of us to be like Jesus. Not the Jesus we see on TV. Or the Jesus that we see painted. He was like, is that a man or a woman? No, the Jesus in the Bible. Let's start reading in John chapter 9. First one. And I want to ask if there's if there's a good Samaritan here, and I know there must be at least one, who can get me a cup of water. You don't have to pay for the hospital or bandage me, just get me a cup of water. John chapter 9. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? That he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. You know, these disciples, they asked the most insensitive question you could ask a blind man. I mean, I can just see it. You know, the, the, the guy is blind. He doesn't see what's going on. He hears all this commotion. And all of a sudden, he hears these guys saying, Who sinned? This man or his parents that he's cursed by God. He's like, Who, who's saying that? What's going on here? And his friend is like, That's Jesus. But his disciples said that. And then Jesus said, No one sinned. He's like, Good. I knew I was innocent. Besides it being an insensitive question, it is a dumb question. Master, who sinned? That this man was born blind. This man or his parents? How could the guy have sinned before he was born? Mm. Then he had to be punished. 
You know, we sometimes can ask the wrong question. Yes. And look for the wrong answer. That's why the first point is asking the wrong questions and waiting for the wrong answers. Have you ever been in a situation where you want to make a deal with God? Yeah. Well, God, look, I really, really want this. So I'm just going to be a real good boy or girl. And if I do this, will you promise me that you give me that? Yeah. I know some people, of some people who got baptized, think, you know what? Let's make a deal with God. Let's create a win-win situation. I'm going to win, and God is going to win. So God, I'm going to change. I'm going to become a righteous person. I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to get baptized. And you know what? If I get baptized, you're going to make my life easy and smooth. Give me some wealth. Get me out of debt. Get rid of my problems. And I'll be faithful to you. If you think that by becoming a Christian, life is going to be one coast right to heaven, um, you're in for a very rude awakening. Yes. But that is not the case at all. But I think a lot of us can think like that subconsciously. How do we know that? Well, when we start going through certain things, we start asking ourselves, why me? Ever been there? Raise your hand. Yes, thank you for being honest. If you didn't raise your hand, then you're lying, but we'll talk to you afterwards. Why me? Well, We can also ask, why not me? So we're asking the wrong questions. God, why do I have to go through this? And as a result, we start asking, God, when am I going to get out of this? I want us to turn to Romans chapter 8 for a minute. Because it's a verse that we oftentimes use to disciple other people when they're going through rough times, isn't it? What verse do you mean? Well, let's look at it. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Someone said, oh yeah. So you've been discipled with it many times. Poor you have a rough life. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things... Things God works for the good of those who love Him. Amen. So, bro, I know your life is hard. You're going to amputate your leg and you lost your right ear. But you know what? God works for the good through all things. Have faith. Yep. But then when we're going through it, it's, you know, it's a different story. <laughs> All of a sudden we start doubting and worrying. and say, God, why me? So then why not me? Well, we oftentimes do not look at... You know, we always tell people when we study the Bible... Put things into context, don't we? Yeah. We go to First Peter chapter two. Be careful with interpretations. 
Well, we have to do the same thing. Because what is the context of this verse here? Well, if we go before that, to verse 18, we see that, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So the context here is Paul is saying, you know what, life is really tough. Get used to it. But... God works for the good through everything. And that is the context of this verse. Let's go back to to John chapter 9. So instead of always asking, why me? Why is it tough? Why is it difficult? We should change the question and start asking, what do I need to learn from this? What do I need to change? What is God trying to teach me that I need to learn? And you know what happens? If that thought starts lingering long enough, what's going to happen? It turns into a little attitude. Have you ever had a little attitude? We all have. And a little attitude turns into a big attitude. Believe me, I was not born like this. I used to be a lot smaller at one point in time. (laughs) It starts little, it gets big. And a big attitude starts turning into a little bitterness, which leads to a lot of bitterness and leads to separation from God. Are you transformed? See, the Bible teaches in Hebrews chapter 5 that Jesus was born perfect and everything was super duper easy because he had the perfect DNA. No. I totally believe Jesus was born, God in the flesh, and the part of the flesh had its natural strengths but also natural weaknesses. He had certain inclinations that were very, very positive, but he also had certain natural inclinations that were just very, very negative. Mm -hmm. You know, some of us are inclined to be lazy. Mm -hmm. Some of us are inclined to be proud. Mm -hmm. Some of us are inclined to be harsh. Mm -hmm. Some of us are inclined to be very, very loving. Some of us are inclined to really be awesome and excellent servants. Jesus had those same inclinations. The Bible says he was made perfect through suffering. What if Jesus would have gone around? Why me? I thought I was the son of God. And I have to deal with all this stuff I never even said. Oh, life is so unfair. But he didn't. He understood that there was a purpose and there was a plan to everything. So while we keep asking, when is it going to change? God keeps saying, when are you going to learn? And we even start saying things like, but every time my disciple tells me the same thing, I'm getting tired of it. It's, tell me something nice, tell me something else. 
I'm getting sick and tired of this. You're also getting bitter. And if you don't repent, it's going to separate you from God. You know, I can't... I'm fired up to be here. I hope you are also. And if you're not, now I hope you'll be at the end of the service. There's going to be encouraged and ready to suffer for God. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. We're not looking for it. If it comes along, we deal with it the right way. Okay? I am now fired up with all the tough times I had to go through. Now, had to go through. Because I can see how they changed me. I can see how they refined me. Now, I don't want to go through them again. Amen. But the key is, okay, I, and Maria said that the only one said, Amen. Because <laughs> she knows when I'm going through a tough time. And she sees it, and she feels it, and she hears it. <laughs> but she also sees that I've changed. Amen. Right? Amen. Another amen. All right, awesome. So far, so good. Okay. <laughs> Let's keep preaching here. But here's the thing. Unless we learn what God wants us to learn, we're going to keep going through the same thing over and over and over again. You know, the truth is, and I was thinking about this yesterday, I am ashamed now if I look back to see where I was at three months ago. I'm ashamed now if I see where I was at two years ago. And that's a good thing, you know what? Because that means there's been growth. If we look back a few months ago, a few years, we was like, yeah, I've been pretty consistent. I'm exactly the same way. That's not a good thing. I mean, amen, you're still here, but God calls us to be growing and not moaning. So you need to ask, am I moaning or am I growing? Sound alike, totally different meaning. So God makes us grow through things so we can be more Christ-like and we can reap the fruits of righteousness that come with repentance, changing, and learning the lessons. Asking the wrong questions and looking for the wrong answers. Our second point is, disciples with gratitude don't stumble when called to be humble. Disciples of gratitude do not stumble when called to be humble. And who gets called to be humble? Every single one of us. Let's not be deceived about that. So let's go back to our our blind friend here in John chapter 9. So Jesus just said to record straight, No one saying this has happened so that the power of God might be displayed in his life. So keep in mind, when we're going through challenging times, whether it's in the area of health, finances, relationships within the kingdom, ever had to deal with that? (laughs) Relationships in the kingdom that are just not 
as awesome as you were hoping for them to be. Whatever we go through, it is so that the work of God may be displayed in our lives. That's the focus we need to have. So, let's continue in verse 6. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open? They demanded. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. You know, this is very interesting. You know, after some of the disciples, of the most compassionate man that ever lived on the face of the earth, totally humiliated this guy in a self-righteous way. All of a sudden, this guy who's blind, he hears, he's like, what's going on? So he's like, he spit on the floor. What's he doing now? He's making mud. What? He's going to put it on your eye. Poor blind man, mud made from spit, on his eyes. Isn't there a nicer way to get healing here? (laughs) Isn't there a more practical, a more humane, a less embarrassing way Jesus could have said, get your side back. You know, so many times Jesus said, go back, your daughter is healed. Mm-hmm. Stand up and walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not this man, open your eyes and see. <laughs> now go walk with all that mud on your eyes and wash yourself. Mm. Interesting. Quite a humbling way to be healed, isn't it? And I think we can uh, all relate to this. Now, God will call us to be humble. And if we're grateful, we will not stumble. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the North, yeah. partly because I'm in it. But besides that, I still love the North. And you know, the North is for, to a great degree, we are the, <clears throat> the more mature people. Yeah. We are uh, the one with kids. And if we don't have kids, we're considered mature enough to hang out with the mature people. <laughs> and so we are the ones that have the experience. We are the refined ones, the diplomatic ones. We're not the young rascals who still have to go through the lessons of life. And in their zeal, humiliate and embarrass themselves and all the other people they're trying to reach out to. And amen for the experience that we have. Is that not true? Amen for the things we've gone through that we can help other people with. On the other hand, we can also believe people say, 
Boy, you can feel I'm not 25 anymore. <laughs> Life can be tiring. I love my kids, but whoa to me. <laughs> I don't have the energy that I used to have. I've heard people say, you know what? I am in my 40s. Oops, gave away that. Uh, I'm in my 50s. Amen. Oh, no, oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm just going by the looks. I'm sorry. Uh, but I know you're a good-hearted man, so you will forgive me. Because if not, you won't go to heaven anyway. That's what the Bible says. But, you know, we're like, uh, and, you know, sometimes you look at those young guys, you like, you know, I am so much older than you, and you need more sleep than me? But actually, that's a wrong argument. It's proven that the older people get, the less sleep they need. So that's not an excuse anymore. You know, I was telling Marty, you know, I, I love the North, but there's one little problem that we have. I wouldn't say problem, because a problem can be solved. And this will be solved. A lack of fruitfulness. You know what I mean? A lack of people coming to know God, becoming disciples, having their sins forgiven in the waters of baptism. And that goes for my life personally also. How do the young people in the church view us? Why? They obviously love us, but you know, I wanted to look at us and say, wow, you can be zealous and faithful and fruitful even when you're that old. That's what they think of us. We are that old. When you were 20 and you saw someone was 35 or 40 or 50, they were that old. And you said, thank goodness I'm not that old. But guess what? Now you're there. And the question is, what kind of example are we going to be? I'm very encouraged by my personal relationship with God over the last three weeks. Now, that's good, but in the end it doesn't matter if I'm encouraged or whether God is encouraged. (laughs) But it's always good to be encouraged. Because I've been just reading the Word of God's fantasy, just getting so much insight and faith from it. I was like, you know, the lack of fruitfulness in my life in the North has got to stop. It's got to change. And I, I, I made a couple of decisions. I said, you know what, number one, the way I share my faith has got to change. Uh, you want to come to church? No. Okay. Oh, thank you. That's not sharing your faith. That's just having all the leaflet. So I said, I, I made a decision, and something Michael told me a few weeks ago, there's got to be a sharper edge about me and about all of us. Yeah. You know, now when I share with people, when I invite people to church, I start with an invitation that I really share with them about Jesus, who he was, and why they need to come. Right. And you know what? It's been awesome. You know, when you make a decision to repent, you feel refreshed. Yeah. But then Satan doesn't like it, and he always gets in the way. 
Now, last Friday, I was fired up, status. I was going to the gym with a friend that came to Bible Talk the night before. Wow. And on my way to the gym, I stopped at a, at a little store. I, I, I bought my protein shake. And as I was opening the door to get out, this other guy that was inside just pushed the door open. I was like, oh, this guy's a bad, in a bad mood. And he walked out, and I walked out. He turned around and spit. And all of a sudden, it seemed to me like everything was going in slow motion, like the Matrix, you know. And I saw this big, wide ball of saliva just going. It was all like at one fifth of a second. It just seemed like it was lasting forever. And the thing was coming to me and coming to me and right next to my foot. And all kinds of things were going through my mind except for being Christ-like <laughs> at that point in time. And I said, hey, man! I was like, yo! And I was going to say, do you have a problem? But I said, then I said, no, remember you're a disciple? I said, why did you spit in my direction? And he didn't get it. So I said it again. And he said something that I couldn't understand, and it probably was good that I didn't understand. And he kept walking. And he was walking really, really fast. So I was like, okay, I can do a couple of things here. I had in mind just to kind of start jogging after him, because he was walking really fast. Get in front of him and stand like this. I said, no, let me not do that, because um, nowadays you don't know if people have guns or knives or whatever. But here's the good thing. You know, I wanted to do that because I just felt compassion on him after that half a second of matrix slow motion. I started feeling compassion. And I really wanted to, to share with him and invite him to church. But I said, well, he's already in a very bad mood. I could do that, but he'll probably get really upset, and who knows what else he will do. Mm-hmm. Well, that was kind of encouraging for me, because let me tell you what my reaction was before I moved to England. Mm-hmm. One day, I was driving on the road. Schottegatweg. And two people here know where it is. Three people know where it is. If you don't know where it is, go on vacation and we'll show it to you. (laughs) And these guys were driving in the car, making all these really strange moves with the car, and I got really upset. And then we stopped at the traffic lights, and I opened the window of my car. I said, hey, where did you get your driving license? In the cornflakes box? (laughs) I was upset. And I could see the other guy starting to get upset, and the guy sitting says, Come on, come on, this guy's crazy. I was like, Imagine if this guy comes to church. (laughs) Oh, look who's preaching the cornflakes guy. (laughs) What great of an example would that have been? But you know, as I was following this guy, and he just kept walking ahead of me, but he was going the same direction I was going. I was like, Maybe he's going to the gym. And I can reach out to him there. 
Well, that didn't happen. Eventually, he made a left. I had to make a right, but he stopped somewhere, and I went over to him. Wow. You know, he had his, what do you call it, yeah. headphones, yeah. headset yeah. on. I tapped him. He saw me. I was like, hey, I'm not upset at you. Mm-hmm. I'm not upset. Just want to, would love for you to come to the church I go to. I don't believe in God. Mm-hmm. So you go to Middlesex, you go to university. Yes, that's why I'm on campus, duh. <laughs> I said, hey man, I see, you know, would you like to talk about God? I don't give a beep. I said, well, you know, clearly you're, you're very frustrated. You know, I just want to talk to you. And he didn't want to take the answer. Please take it. And he took it. Come on, and I left. Yeah. But you know, it's great when certain things happen. And it's like, well, you know, I've really grown. Yeah. I really reacted differently yeah. from how I would have a few years ago. And so I have a challenge for all of us. You ready for a challenge? It's good to have a challenge, isn't it? Whether you are a Christian or you are not. I gave you this challenge. Three months from now, to look back and be like, wow, I don't know what I was doing or thinking three months ago. That you're so different because of God. If you look back and say, I never want to go back there again. If you're a disciple of gratitude, you won't stumble where you're called to be. Humble. Point number three. Secure in controversy. And all of those things will help us to become more Christ-like. John chapter 9, we're going to continue reading in verse 13. So here the man who had an excuse for not knowing it was Jesus because, you know, you cannot see. <laughs> mm-hmm. They continued. They brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. Yes. Now the day when Jesus made the mud and opened the man's eye was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how, did, how he had received his sight. He put mud on his own eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see, this guy was smart. He didn't tell him how Jesus made the mud. He just said, he put mud on my eyes. That's probably a good decision. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs so they were divided? Jesus creates division. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's poor parents, who should be the happiest parents on earth. But they're not. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? Well, we know he is our son, the parents answered. And we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. Don't you love to have parents like that? So supportive. 
Right? His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know that man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Just giving the facts. Then they asked him for the 15th time. What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why? Do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? (laughs) Talking about saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. (laughs) Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a blind of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. How comfortable are you with controversy? You know, Jesus was amazing. The more you get to know Jesus, the more in awe you are. It's like, man, this guy is just ridiculous. He is awesome. He's incredible. I mean, Jesus, when he saw the blind, he could have said, look, 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 I know you're blind, I want to heal you. I just want to cause any unnecessary trouble right now. <laughs> See me on Sunday, tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock, I'll heal you. He did not. Yeah. Yeah. He was just like, poof, poof. go wash yourself, it's the Sabbath, I know, I'll get in trouble, that's fine, I know how to handle it, my daddy in heaven takes care of me. <laughs> But how do we feel when we're under pressure? You know, when I was a young man, for some reason, I thought, you know, (coughs) parents are not susceptible to pressure. Totally wrong. No matter what your age, we are susceptible to pressure. Do we like to be controversial? You know, sometimes some of us are controversial for the wrong reason. <laughs> some of us are controversial because, like, do you want to decide that? No! I really don't think I have the maturity <clears throat> and the life experiences to decide that. How about brother so-and-so? They can disciple him. Go to brother so-and-so. Brother so-and-so! You want to disciple so? No! I've heard about him. He's a legend in his own mind. I ain't going to disciple him. That's going to be too much trouble. I got too much trouble as it is. No, thank you. 
controversial for the wrong reason. We got to make sure we're controversial for the right reason. You know, I got a little scared when we had Bible talk last, not last Thursday, but the week before that. I got off the tube and I waited at the tube station for a friend of mine who was going to come to Bible talk. So I waited about 10, 15 minutes. He was there. We came to the house and I was encouraged to see that it was a full house with visitors. We had like seven or eight visitors on that night. So, which, you know, amen, awesome for that. And, you know, I must confess that is because of my wife, not because of me. Um, but God is still good. Um, but then I saw a gentleman sitting in the corner. I went and I shook his hand and I could sense he was a little bit like... Couldn't put my finger, but I knew that he was like, kind of like, oh, it's you? And after a few minutes, he said, you know, you pushed me out of the train, you know. I was like, what? <laughs> I pushed you out of the train? He said, yes. I was on the way over, I got out of the tube, and you pushed me out. I was like, me push who? What? I'm supposed to be a disciple of Jesus here, and I'm pushing people out of the train? And I was controversial at that Bible talk, but for the wrong reason. I said, you mean I went like this? He said, no, 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 you just walked, I didn't see me, you pushed me out. I said, oh, I'm sorry, man. That really, really was not my intention. But see, we got to be controversial for the right reason, not for the wrong reason. Jesus created the vision no matter where he went. So what do you think the church that calls people not to be religious, but to be Christ-like, is going to be? You know, some of us were so insecure and so timid before we became disciples. Because the world messed us up. We just wanted to fit in with everyone and everywhere. If you're a person like that, raise your hand. Yeah. Wow, that's depressing. Too many of us. But anyway, God is powerful. And then we enter into the kingdom and we still want to fit in with everyone and everywhere and everyone to like us. And then controversy comes. You go to what church? Oh, you're in a church that believes you're saved by works. Oh, you're in a church that told him to break up with his pretty little broken-hearted girlfriends. Just because they sleep together and they're not married. Oh, you're the one whose family is worried because you're always going to every church meeting. Now, whether your parents are happy with you or not really depends kind of on what kind of derelict you were before you became a Christian. <laughs> See, if you're a real big derelict and you're going drinking, using drugs, your parents are probably like, and you come home and say, Dad, Mom, I'm a Christian. Stop using drugs? Yes. Good. Stay like that. <laughs> but if you're kind of normal and not doing that, and your parents are seeing the commitment, it's going to be controversial. You know, in university where I became a Christian, for some reason, all my friends were Jewish. I didn't look for that. It just happened, the guys that I met that I got along, it just happened to be Jewish. Not, not the obvious, they didn't wear anything on the head, nothing like that. You wouldn't see they were Jewish by their language or lifestyle, but, you know, nonetheless, 
they were Jewish. And so when I became a disciple, and see, you cannot be an undercover disciple. That doesn't exist. You can be an undercover detective, but not an undercover disciple. And when I became a disciple, and they saw my life change, and I didn't participate in some of the things that they love to do, and I started speaking to people about Jesus. They got scared to death. I remember going to the university bookstore to buy some things. And there was one guy there, one friend of mine, or by now a former friend, who literally started hiding behind the house. And I could see him. I was like, oh my goodness. This is absurd. You know, because at first I felt like, oh man, my friends, they all left me, and oh, they don't like the controversy. You know, it's like, these guys are just ridiculous. What do they think? I can kill them with my eyes just looking at them? I can convert them by... I said, no, guys. And, and so, you know, they, they gave me some courage. Hey, guys, I'm normal. They're abnormal. They really need to become like me. So, in concluding, who are you like? Who do you want to be like? When we were young, we all aspired to be like someone. Whether it was Michael Jordan, whether it was Wayne Rooney, or an incredible football player, an artist, a politician, or a revolutionary without a cause. We all wanted to be like someone. And then as we grow older and life starts beating us down and hitting us and we get disappointments, we say, well, I guess I am who I am. Amen. And then midlife crisis hits. Oh. And for, for some of us, midlife crisis comes at 25, 26. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, to me, I've not done anything that I've wanted to do. I've been afraid, I've been scared, I've been intimidated, I haven't changed. Right. You know, some other people used to say that Moses... He wanted to free the Jews from Egypt. They kicked him out. He ran like a coward for his life, like a chicken without a head, <laughs> into the desert. And at the age of 80, when he thought, this is my destiny, God said, guess what? Wrong. We're just starting. <laughs> and it's the same for us. God will put us in situations for us to be molded. And if we pass, God is going to use us even more powerfully than He used us before. So I don't want us to be scared of controversy, if it's the right controversy. But I was uh, finalized by saying this. There's one group that I want them to be scared to death. If you're not a Christian, I want you to be scared to death. Because you need to get right with God. Twenty-four, twenty-three years ago in Philadelphia, there was a lady, a young lady who was studying the Bible. And she knew that she was going to be a disciple, but she said, you know what, let me just go one more time, just one more time 
to a party with my friends. Just once. And after that, I'm going to get baptized. My sins will be forgiven. Amen. So she went out. And late at night, she got a ride with this guy to take her home. This guy had raped her that night four times. Now she continued studying the Bible. And she got baptized the following Sunday. But all of that could have been avoided. If she was just serious and radical about her relationship with God. See, we don't know what's going to happen. All we know is that we've got to flat out get right with God now. So who do you want to be like? Thank you, Nick. Good answer. I want to be like Jesus. So let us stop asking the wrong questions and start looking for the right We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.